title of this is uh, Spiritually You Live in the Land of Goshen. So we'll talk about that for a few minutes. Uh, and I've got just five points, so it should be fairly quick today, but I want to get to the point. Number one, obviously we're living in a rapid time of change. Perhaps just before the return of Christ, uh, a lot of people think that uh, way, perhaps that's true. Um, and, you know, living and, and going through what we're all facing right now, it's obvious that uh, something could happen suddenly that changes everything, right? So we've experienced that the last, you know, a little less than a month now. But um, uh, so, you know, it makes me ask questions. Am I ready? Am I ready for an abrupt change? Uh, that's a serious question we need to answer ourselves. Um, are the fun- fundamentals of life in place? Now, that's another important thing, isn't it? What are the fundamentals? Those are the things you've got to have to exist. We need God. He's the most important because he is our source of supply. How many know that? We need strong faith. We need a strong prayer life. Is your prayer life strong? Is your faith strong? Are you close to God? Those are important questions. And, you know, if we are, then, then we're always prepared when the, uh, the unexpected happens. And, you know, this is taking all of us sort of off guard, so to speak. We weren't planning or expecting. But here we are. So uh, the last thing, are you naturally prepared, you know? Uh, do you have your closet full of toilet paper? I'm just kidding. But, you know, I don't know what that's all about. I hadn't figured it out yet. But, you know, jeez. To some people, I think toilet paper is more important than food. I can't figure it out. I'm serious, y'all. No, more seriously, you know, my encouragement, and I, listen, I, I'm not a prepper and all that, but, you know, you know, get you some food. Have a, have a little supply. You never know when the power's going to go out or storm comes or unusual things come like this. And now people are scrambling why they weren't prepared. So, you know, true, right? So, and then a lot of people are just really upset within themselves, and they're binging, they're eating all the Twinkies and all the, all the potato chips and, you know, all these things they shouldn't be eating that they normally don't because they're trying to deal with stress. But, you know, in reality, hey, be ready, be ready. So we can by having a relationship with the Lord. So, you know, Mike, I want to give you some encouragement today. God's going to, he's really going to take care of us during these tumultuous times. And, you know, we're living in the time period just prior uh, to what the Bible calls the tribulation. I really think we're in that. We're not in that seven-year period. You know, we've heard us talk about it. Wednesday nights, I'm talking about end times, going through the book of Revelation. This Wednesday night, start with Revelation 4, and we'll look at it pretty much verse by verse, and we're going to go through the whole book because uh, we could see a lot of these things begin to come to pass, and we're just right on the cusp of that. And, uh, that, you know, that seven-year period, people typically call tribulation is a seven-year period of intense uh, challenge just before Jesus comes back to this planet. So, um, uh, again, uh, my heart is perhaps the things we're dealing with now are, are a dry run for, for things that are to come. So, you know, again, it kind of shows us where we are and what we need to do to be prepared for any eventuality that comes into our life. That's the way I look at it anyway. So, uh, uh, you know, anyway, um, we don't need to be filled with fear, confusion. In fact, in fact, um, Jesus said this, John 14, 1, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready? And I love that. Jesus is in heaven. And here's what I think. I've got a lot of people I know already in heaven, my dad being one. 
And he was an experienced carpenter, regular carpenter, finished carpenter. He made furniture. He built the house I was raised in. I think he's there helping build us stuff. And I think, you know, think about two billion people suddenly when the rapture occurs, going up, where are they going to stay? Well, they'll build they'll building places for us, y'all. You're going to have a place to stay in heaven. And uh, so Jesus said, when everything is ready, I'll come and get you. Isn't that awesome? So that you will always be with me where I am. So see, that means that regardless of what we're facing, we should always live in the expectation of Jesus returning. That, that, that's, a, that's a really good point. You know, when I was a boy, it made me think about this. When I was a boy, my grandmother would, uh, my mother's mother would come and visit us. And my mother would tell me like midweek, well, Mitch, uh, uh, Grandma's coming on the week. I said, Grandma's coming? Oh, really? <laughs> I got all excited, you know, because Grandma's coming. And every day I think, Grandma's coming. Or my aunt and uncle say, well, they're at the beach. And they go to Myrtle Beach, you know, for vacation and say well they're gonna stop by you know on the way back you mean i'm gonna get to see my cousin really and i think all week i get to see my cousin well we ought to be that way about jesus coming back he said he's preparing a place for us and when everything's ready he's coming back so you know uh it, it, we ought to be excited about that don't you think so um one of the re- personal rele- revelations i've had with the corona thing we're dealing with worldwide here is uh is um I really think I'm too attached to things. And as I prayed and sought God, I've told some of my staff team about this. Um, you know, I like my routine. Um, I like the way I live. I like where I live. I love my home. I just, like, I just like things that I have. I like my conveniences. And, uh, and I've come to terms with me. I'm just too attached to all this. What if God said, let it go? Right? So, so in reality, you know what? We're just stewards. We're just stewards of things that God allows us to use that really belong to Him. The whole earth is His. The raw materials that things are made of, this all His. So He's just letting us form it, mold it, use it. But sooner or later, we give it back. There are no, there are no, uh, there are no uh, U-Hauls behind hearses when you die. So, you know, it's a kind of a wake-up call for me, and I really am. I thought, well, you know, I know you think, well, Pastor Mitch, you're all spiritual. No, I'm, I'm just like you, and I've got to grunt through life just like you, and I'm dealing with me, and, and am I ready and willing to give up conveniences for Jesus? If he asks me to, I want to say yes, but I'm grunting through that just like you. So take this time seriously. we got this whole month of, of April. You know, what's valuable to you? What's the most invaluable What's the most valuable things to you? Well, for me, my relationship with the Lord, because without Him, I, I'm not worth anything. I can't face any, anything well without Him. Uh, Susan's very valuable to me. I love my wife. You know, I love my children. I love my friends. See, those are eternal things. I'll always have God. I'll always have the relationships in my life. But all these other things, they're here today, gone tomorrow. And... Uh, you know, so times like it really does make you think that way, doesn't it? So uh, anyway, I want to give you some encouragement today uh, that regardless of the challenges ahead before Jesus comes back to take us home, we can have confidence that God our Father is going to provide for us, protect us, shield us, and prepare us for whatever is ahead and that nothing takes him by surprise. So the next four points will point us that direction. Just want to give you some encouragement 
that both now and in the future, regardless of what comes, God has promised. He's made a promise to take care of us. So the second point here, and again, I forgot to mention this. The notes are available on our website. Most of you know that, but watch us regularly. So you need two devices, one to watch me, the other to look at the notes. So go to our website, uh, click notes, and, uh, and then you can watch us from another device, both... Um, uh, from our website. So just take the two devices. You can follow me along in my notes. Sometimes I share most things. Sometimes I don't. Um, number two, though, in my notes here, the blessings that God's promised to Abraham are ours too. Now that's a bigger deal than it sounds like. Um, and here's the thing I find. And this is not in the notes. God makes covenants. Watch this. To help us in a fallen, dark world. Let me say it again. Listen, think about it. God makes covenants so that he can legally help us in a fallen, dark world. You see, after Adam and Eve sinned the first, first of the year, I went in detail on this in my series on prayer that I'll, I'll get back to the prayer part of this, but we're going through crisis. We're going to deal with it the way we need to right now. But nonetheless, um, when Adam and Eve sinned, they, they gave away the authority that God had given him. Satan's arch, uh, God's arch enemy, Satan, became the God of this age. He's got a legal right to steal, kill, and destroy right now. There's a curse placed on the soil. And so we live in a fallen world. We all know that. And so there, there are huge challenges in the fallen world. At the same time, God created us to, be, to, to love him and for him to be able to love us. And he wanted to be our provision and our supply, he placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And it was a place of, uh, of absolute beauty with everything imaginable to eat. You talk about the junk food you're eating right now. It's nothing to be compared with what Adam and Eve had in the Garden. But all that ended. They were expelled from the Garden. The curse took effect. We live in a fallen world. There are huge challenges. See, God knew that. So, so uh, over an expanse of time, after the flood of Noah, uh, people began to populate the earth. And God's, you know, he's just kind of thinking in heaven. What, 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 see, he so loves us. What can I do? What, what can I do? My people are in a fallen world. This wasn't supposed to happen. Adam, Adam and Eve made the wrong choices. So how can I aggress towards my people that I love? The human race that I dearly, dearly agonize over. Ha! Ah, he said, I know what I'll do. I'm going to find a person and I'm going to make a covenant with them. And in that covenant, I'm going to bequeath to them all of my strength, all of my energy, all of my resources, all of my power, everything I am, I am available to them. All I want is them to give themselves unreservedly to me. So in Genesis chapter 12, God went to a, a man named Abram, which, uh, which uh, means exalted father. And he said, you're no longer Abram. And this man, when God met him, he was 75 years old. His wife was 65 years old. They had no children, and in that culture, it's a curse to have no children. So they were past childbearing years. God said to Abraham, you're going to have a, ba a child, and in that child, and, and in what I do through you, will all the nations of the earth be blessed. So uh, Abraham was 100, Sarah was 90. God honored his word. They had a child named Isaac, which means laughter, and then God used the covenant he made with Abram to meet the needs of his people all over the world. 
through time until now, and that's been thousands of years ago. Listen to Genesis 12, 1 through 3. This is New Living Translation. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. And then that last sentence, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. And so New Testament, Abraham, God changed Abram's name. Let me say this first. Abram's was, name was changed to Abraham, father of a multitude. And he introduced himself from thereafter as Abraham had no children. People thought he was crazy because they knew his name meant something. A father of a multitude has no children. He said what he believed for years before it came to pass. And that's what we have to do. It looks like nothing's happening. There's no toilet paper in the bathroom. You say, God, I believe I receive a roll of toilet paper, whatever you need. You expect God to meet you every day, even though it looks like it's not there. That's what God has always done with his covenant people. God made a covenant with Abraham. And through that covenant, God said, the whole earth will be blessed. And that co- I will use that cut. Co- listen to this. I will use that covenant to meet the needs of my people. Those that trust me. They will never be afraid. They will never be forlorn. They'll never be forsaken. They might th- go through hard places, but I'm going to be right there with them. So, so, so uh, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But let me fast forward to the New Testament. So God's a God of covenant. And when God cuts a covenant, uh, you know, his end of the bargain is everything we ha- he has belongs to us. And that's the nature of covenants. Uh, everything that each party has belongs to the other person they're in covenant with. That is the nature of covenants as we know them. And God perhaps cut the first covenant with Abraham. So again, Hebrews 8, 6, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one, watch this, who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. So wait a minute. So if God gave Abraham a covenant and said, I'm going to meet the needs of all of the families of earth through you, and if God cut a covenant with us, through Christ, when covenants were cut in antiquity in people groups, those uh, the, the, the tribes of people that cut covenants on earth and had covenants together, they always had a representative stand for each tribe. So God had a representative on his behalf when he cut a covenant with us in Christ. Jesus stood there representing God. And then here we are, Jesus cut the covenant with us. We have a better covenant established on better promises, and it's based on the covenant that God gave Abraham. We, if, so if God met his old covenant people's needs, and you can read all of the things that happened uh, to the patriarchs in the Old Testament, all of the ways that God provided them, uh, uh, for them in good times and bad and dangerous times and such, then we know full well that, that if we have a better covenant, God's going to do even more for us, right? So uh, having said that, listen to this, Galatians chapter 3, uh, verses 13 and 14, listen to this. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. Let me make a comment here. Um, in, in the history of people groups, when, when uh, for instance, tribes, different 
people groups or tribes, I could call them, would cut a covenant, they would have the blessings of the covenant, and they would also and they would pronounce them to each other when the covenant was cut, and then they would also have the curses. If you break the covenant, this will happen. Well, uh, that happened with God. We're going to look at it at the very close of this uh, lesson here uh, in, in a little bit. But So it says, Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it's written in the scripture. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And there's verse 14. Listen to this. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. With the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. The same blessing that God promised Abraham through Christ is ours. Isn't that awesome? That ought to make you shout right where you're at, wherever you are. Then Galatians goes a little further. Paul in Galatians chapter 3 verse 29, he says, Not only do you have a covenant, but because of that covenant, I've made you my sons and daughters. Now that makes it a little bit different, right? Verse 29, And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are heirs, his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. We're children of Abraham. We've become children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And, you know, if you're a parent, how do you feel about your kids? You love them? You'd give, you give them the shirt on your back. You'd give them the last morsel of your food. You would shield them with your life if they're in danger. And you know what? That's how God is towards us. With the covenant he provided for us through Abraham that in Christ belongs to us. And it's better than even they had. I want to look at two examples and uh, we'll be done uh, real quickly here. Let's go back to God's dealings with Israel in Joseph's time, then in Moses' time. And you're going to see how the God of the covenant works when things go south on earth and how that covenant kicks in to make provision for his people. And this is very applicable to us today. The whole world's in a mess right now. You see, we're covenant people. God's promised, regardless of what we're going through, he's going to make a way out of this for us. And you can take that to the bank. It's going to happen. Watch this. So, number three, God's covenant with Abraham protected Israel during a time of famine. Famine. God knew that his promises to Abraham would be uh, tested during a severe famine in Joseph's time. You know the, the, the story. Uh, Abraham's son was Isaac. Isaac's son was Jacob. Jacob had 12 children. We call them the children of Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which means prince with God. And that's why we call the Israelites Israel, the children of Israel. And so one of those guys was Joseph. And Joseph was loved and, uh, by his parents. And uh, anyway, bottom line, his brothers became jealous of him. He was 17 years old. And God showed him a vision of his life and showed him his family bowing down before him and let me say something about he was 17 years old had a dream and saw his his whole family bowing before him as though he was overseeing them it didn't make sense to them then and let me say something i don't care who you are where you're at in life you can be young or old if god shows you something god knows the end from the beginning god doesn't dwell in the realm of time when god shows us something sometimes we think oh that must be going to happen right now there's some things that god showed me years ago that haven't happened yet and God will show you things or you can sense some things that you may feel like God wants you to do with your life. You know, you don't have to make it work out. We just 
You just have to make yourself available to God. And he has a, he has a path and a plan for things to work out. God showed, God showed Joseph that he was going to somehow be a ruler over his family. It didn't make sense to him. And then when God showed him that, uh, his brothers got angry at him, thought he was lifted up in pride, and maybe he was, and sold him as a slave. He ended up in prison for 13 years. And then at age 30, became, became uh, uh, the, uh, prime min- basically the prime minister of Egypt and the second in command in the, in the most powerful nation on earth. And, 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 and you say, you know, when he was thrown in, when he was sold as a slave by his brothers, he had all those years, he was in prison for no fault of his own. And he could have said, well, maybe what God shows me is a bunch of nothing. Maybe it was just, uh, you know, just wishful thinking. But no, God had a purpose and plan. Listen to this. Sometimes, sometimes the worst thing that can happen to you can turn out to be the best thing in your whole life. Did you hear what I just said? Sometimes the worst thing that can happen can turn out to be the best thing that's ever happened in your whole life. We think about what's going on now. Isn't this awful? You know, I got a, I got a feeling God's got something up his sleeve. And what the enemy think, thought he was going to use to be the demise of the whole world and perhaps even a, a, another, a, a, another push forward to his, so his strategy to overthrow God's plans on earth. I just got a feeling it's all going to backfire. And God's got something amazing up his sleeve for all of us. How about a fresh move of God worldwide? So you just want to think about it. So nonetheless, uh, a famine hit the Middle East. Uh, Joseph became uh, prime minister of Egypt, and he had been there for a while. And, and you just had this thing about dreaming. Resultingly, uh, the Pharaoh allowed him to be prime minister because he dreamed about a famine that was coming to that part of the world, and it was going to be so serious that a lot of people were dying. God gave Joseph a plan to rescue the world from dire hunger through a famine. And, uh, and there he met his family, he met his, uh, he met his uh, brothers again, he met his father again. And uh, they were moved to Egypt from the promised land they were living in. And God provided for them th- uh, uh, in the middle of a famine that affected the whole Middle East. In fact, I want to read this verbiage. Look at Genesis 45 verse 5, but don't be upset. So here is Joseph, he's meeting his brothers after being separated from them all these years. They thought he was dead, his father thought he was dead, but God had a greater purpose for the demise that happened in his life when he was sold as a slave. And here he is meeting his brothers for the first time. Listen to the verbiage. Don't be upset, Genesis 45, 5. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine has ravaged the land for two years and will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it's God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him this is what your son Joseph said. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen. There it is, where you can be near me and all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and everything you own. Now, now why did that happen? 
You know, it seems like it's so wrong for Joseph to be sold by his brothers into slavery. But see, God sees the end from the beginning. And God knew that Demetrius knew. Sometimes the worst things that we think happen in our life are the things that turn things around and are a catalyst for God to do what he wants to do. Could it be while we're hunkered down in our homes and you can't go visit your friends and you can't come to church and you got to work from home and you got to put a mask on when you go to the grocery store and all this stuff. Could it be that God's working something bigger in all of us? Could it be that he's positioning us to clean up so he can use us for his glory so his power can be seen in totality worldwide? This is an amazing thing that's going on. And I see it kind of like what happened to Joseph. Right now it seems as though we're in prison. But once you get out, look out. God's going to do something big. How many hear me? So wow, it's kind of, kind of incredible. So again, um, God, used, uh, God used in Joseph's life what seemed to be so bad. Uh, something that, that turned around to be so great and literally saved his entire Family, why did God do that? Because he made a covenant with Abraham. He had to deliver his people. He had to find a way in a time of famine for for Abraham's descendants to be provided for. So God provided through Joseph a little portion of Egypt called Goshen. And that's where they lived and that's where they thrived. That's where they were provided for. Five more years of famine, they were well provided for. And you know, for however long this lasts, God has promised to make a way for us. How many know it's true? I think it's kind of awesome. Number four, uh, God's covenant with Abraham protected Israel during the t- ten plagues in Egypt. So in Moses' day, this is hundreds of years, uh, over 400 years after uh, Israel went into Egypt. The Israelites initially had favor because of, because of Joseph. And... Um, Uh, Joseph died and then, you know, life kept going on, years and years passed. And, you know, the Egyptians forgot about Joseph and bottom line was God's people became slaves in Egypt for a long time, 400 years. They began to cry out. And, uh, in fact, look at Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Years passed. The king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help. And their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning. Watch this. And remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Wow. Do you see that? He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. And so he raised Moses up. I mean, Moses uh, had a problem with speech. Moses uh, had killed a man at age 40, spent 40 years in the desert. God appeared to him. Uh, in the burning bush experience in Exodus chapter 3 and said, I'm going to use you to deliver your people out of Egypt. In fact, Moses' Moses' name means to draw out. So God, God through Moses, was going to draw the Israelites out of Egypt. And, uh, and he was 80 years of age when that happened. So God told Moses to go, you know the story, to Pharaoh And, uh, you know, the Egyptians worshipped false gods. They were ten major false gods that they worshipped. And God said, I'm going to show Pharaoh my power, and I'm going to show him who I am, and I'm going to do it through you. There are going to be ten plagues that hit Egypt, and they're going to hit every single one of the false gods 
that, uh, that Egypt worships. And I'm going to show Pharaoh that I am God alone. And all of his gods are as nothing to me. And so God raised up Moses. You know the story. And uh, there were ten plagues that were again against all of the ten major gods of Egypt. They were plagues against uh, the Egyptian livestock. They died. Uh, the locusts came and began to eat their crops. There was a plague of frogs. You imagine frogs living in your home. And they begged, you know. And every time the plagues came, uh, God through Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go. He hardened his heart, wouldn't do it. There was a plague of hail. Uh, water turned to blood. They go to drink a, a cup of water and it looked uh, blood red. Uh, there were gnats, there were flies, there were boils on their skin. And then there was, a, there was a, 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 a plague against the sun god, and it became dark. And they, they gnawed their tongues because of the anguish of being in such utter darkness all the time. And then lastly, you know the story, there was the death of the firstborn in Egypt. And that's where we get the Passover. God passed over the Israelites and, and said, none of your firstborn will die the way it, they will in Egypt. And that's where we get, really, that's the seedbed for the communion table. The Israelites for 3,000 years have observed the Seder feast, which is really the Passover celebration of when the death angel passed over the, uh, the um, homes of the Israelites when they put uh, blood from a, from, a, from a lamb on their doorposts, and, and they were delivered. So again, these are, these are things that we commonly know. The reason I brought all that up is I just want to read some verbiage, and here's the bottom line. During all of those ten plagues, God promised, though those plagues hit Egypt, they won't hit Goshen. They won't bother my people. We're in the middle of a dark world, and all kind of things can happen, things that are unfair, things that are not planned, things that kill, steal, and destroy, but in the middle of it, God has promised to take care of us. How many hear me? Watch this. I just want to read this. This is really cool. I know you know the story, but it's good sometimes to go back and refresh your faith. Listen to Exodus chapter 8. Here's, here's uh, Moses speaking to Pharaoh during the plague of flies. Listen to this. If you refuse, Moses says to Pharaoh, then I will send swarms of flies on you. Your officials, well, God said it through Moses. Uh, your people in all the houses, the Egyptian homes will be filled with flies and the ground will be covered with them. I don't like flies. Do you? <laughs> you know where they come from, right? Maggots. Nasty. Yeah. The Egyptian homes will be filled with flies. The ground will be covered with them. But this time, I will spare the region of Goshen. Look at that. Where my people live. No flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and I am present even in the heart of your land. I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. You see that? God's people had a covenant. Even in times of challenge, you know, in their world, God provided. You know what? In our time of challenge, God will provide. Isn't that good? Exodus 9, here's the plague on the livestock. The, first, uh, the, the, the livestock of the Egyptians died. Go back to Pharaoh, the Lord commanded Moses. This is Exodus 9, 1. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says. Let my people go so they can worship me. If you continue to hold them, refuse to let them go. Then the hand of the Lord will strike all your livestock, your horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, goats with a deadly plague. But the Lord, again, will make a distinction, watch, between the livestock of the Israelites and that of the Egyptians. Not a single one of Israel's animals will die. 
the Lord has already set the time for the plague to begin. He has declared that he will strike the land tomorrow. And the Lord did just as he said. The next morning all the livestock of the Egyptians died. But, that's a big one, big but. But the Israelites didn't lose a single animal. Isn't that awesome? I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That regardless of what happens in our culture, in the U.S., worldwide, God's going to make a way for his people because he's a covenant-keeping God. How many hear me? Exodus 11, here's the death of the firstborn. Moses announced to Pharaoh, verse 4, Exodus 11, this is what the Lord says, at midnight tonight I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of his lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. This was serious, y'all. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt. A wail like no one has heard or ever will hear again. But among the Israelites, listen, these covenant people. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Y'all, that's incredible. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. I don't know. That blows me away, y'all. <laughs> you hear? Let it sink in. We're not immune from trouble. Jesus said, in the world, you'll have hard times. But then he said, be of good cheer. See, we're not immune. They weren't immune. The, the world was in famine. Everybody's wondering how we're going to eat. The ten plagues were in force. And they were horrible. This probably took months to go through. And, and time after time after time, the Egyptian gods hit the dirt as God judged them. And, and the Egyptians were beleaguered because of this. But there in the land of Goshen, there was a group of people favored by God who God always protected and God always made a way for. So, hey, the economy shut down. You may have a small business thinking, how on earth am I going to start this thing back up? You may be a restaurant employee, and your wages are the tips that people give you. And you're saying, how in the world, what's going to happen? Expect God to do the miraculous, y'all. Listen, in my own life, in my young life, <laughs> I've been through some pretty grueling circumstances with four children to raise, being in ministry and such, and time after time, I can promise you, when things look the worst, God showed off the most. And that's just what he does. Why? Because he, has a, he loves us. He made a covenant with Abraham. And Jesus cut a covenant uh, between us and God so that Abraham's blessings can belong to us as believers. So we're going through this tough time. I promise you God has not left. He's not failed us. He's not let us down. He won't forsake us. There, he's going to make a way for us because he always has. Isn't that great? I don't know about you, but I'm about ready to dance because I don't care what comes. Let it happen. God makes a way for his people. You can be encouraged. Number five, we as Christians also live, watch, in the land of Goshen where God has promised his care and protection. See, the Israelites lived in Goshen all those years, 
And God protected them. God made provision for them. Eventually, they left Goshen, left Egypt, crossed through the Red Sea. I was riding my bike yesterday. I, I listened to, you know, the first 20-something chapters of Exodus on my bike. It was awesome. And I read about the Israelites going through the Red Sea, or listened to the Israelites going through the Red Sea on dry ground, and the, and the Egyptians chasing after them, and God took care of them. They were destroyed. So it looks like nothing's right. And you know what? The Israelites, before God delivered them, they got right up to the edge. Here are the Egyptians coming with their chariots, their horses, and all of their armament. And their, and their, their backs against the wall. The Red Sea's behind them. They have nowhere to go. All they're looking at is the enemy army. What are we going to do? It looks like we're going to fail. It may feel like you're going to fail right now. But just at the last minute, God says, what's what I'm going to do? Moses, stretch your rod over the water of the Red Sea. And he did. The wind began to blow and the waters parted the ground dried up and two and a half million Israelites walked through the Red Sea on dry ground it was impossible what's impossible with men is possible with God maybe you feel like I feel the spirit of God maybe you feel like you're in an impossible situation nothing's impossible with God they thought they were going to die and the sea parted behind them, and they ran through. And then God defeated their enemies for them. Maybe you say, I don't, I don't know where my money's coming. I'm not going, I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage. I don't know what's going to happen to my, my job. Expect God to do the impossible because you're hooked up with a covenant God, and he's promised to meet your needs. If he met the needs of Joseph's family, if he met the needs of two and a half million Israelites in Goshen, y'all, he's going to meet us today. How many hear me? I want to leave you with this. Is this okay? You getting something? You good? This ought to stir you up. So Jesus, again, is our representative for the covenant between us and God. And, um, and, and so Abraham's blessings literally belong to us. The best place to find that is in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28 lists the blessings and the curses of, of uh, God's promises to Abraham. And God said to the Israelites, if you'll obey me, I'll bless you. But if you don't obey me, just listen, the enemy's going to whip your behind. And so all I'm going to do this morning, and I'll let you read the rest. So if you'll walk with God, consecrate to him, look to him as your provision and supply, and be a partner in a covenant, which means, God, I unreservedly give myself to you. If you've not done that yet, do it now. If you'll unreservedly give yourself to God through his son, the Lord Jesus, God's promised that his blessings will come on you. But see, if we don't give ourselves to the Lord, if we withhold ourselves, if we walk in the flesh, do our own thing, go our own way, ignore the Lord, ignore his promises, well, then the rest of the book of Deuteronomy 28, starting with verse 15, then that will be enacted. Those are the curses of the broken law. And all that is is if I don't, if I don't obey the Lord and, and don't walk with him and don't provide a, a supply or exercise faith towards God that he's going to bless that he's going to bless me then you know then 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 the natural recourse is the natural tendencies of a fallen world will overtake my life it's not good reading Deuteronomy 25 15 through 65 but it's reality and that's where a lot of people are walking because they want to do their own thing and go their own way 
God is asking us today, and I think it's the message of the hour is repentance. That is me falling on my face saying, God, I'm not smart enough and wise enough to rule and lead my own life. And, Lord, I've been involved in things that I shouldn't be involved in. God's given the whole world, listen, y'all, God's given the whole world to pause. And he says, be still and know that I'm God. And in that stillness, listen, in that stillness, he's asking all of us worldwide, search yourself. Have you given yourself unreservedly to me? I'm about to unleash my power in a way that people have never seen. I feel it, y'all. Joel 2, 28, will have come to pass in the last days. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That pouring out of God's spirit will include such amazing power from the spirit of God that we need to be ready for it. And he needs, he needs people whose lives are cleaned up. So you know what I feel, and I, and I didn't play, this is not in my notes. But I, I feel like I'm speaking prophetically. Worldwide. God is saying to his people, clean up and get ready. Because you're going to see things you've never seen before. You're going to be used in ways you've never been used before. And those that are in darkness will see my light. Just like the Egyptians saw the power of God. This generation is going to see God in his power. And y'all, God's, it's amazing. Look what God's done. The whole world is arrested. The whole world is quiet. God is saying, seek me. Call upon me while I'm near. Call upon me while I can be found. Forsake your unrighteous way. Walk with me. And here's the promise. Look at this. Deuteronomy 28. If you will fully obey the Lord your God. Starting with verse 1. Carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns, your fields will be blessed. Your children, your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. They're an agrarian culture, so this was big for them. If it was today, you said your business will prosper. You know, your work will, will be blessed. He says your fruit baskets, your bread, breadboards will be blessed. Verse 6, wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's given you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God, walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, 
abundant crops. And the Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I've given you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. And you know what God's saying that to us today? It may look really strange right now. It's a time to seek, search, and find God. It's a time to consecrate. He's a covenant God. He's promised to provide and take care of us. It's an awesome time. It's a strangely awesome and unusual time we're living in. God is about to show off in ways perhaps he never has. And he's given us an amazing time.